Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Welcome. We're excited to look together over the next several sessions at the book of Joshua. Joshua is an Old Testament book of endings. It's a book of beginnings, a book about the life of the people of Israel. It's a book of endings in that it's the ending of Israel's sojourn in the desert after they've come up out of the land of Egypt. It's the ending of the time of their wandering. It's an ending in the sense of its fulfillment of many of God's promises that were given to uh, the people of Israel, even back beginning in the book of Genesis, promises given to Abraham. It's the end of Moses' Uh, leadership. Moses has led the people out of Egypt through the wilderness. He's led them into battles. He's led them through the Red Sea. Uh, He's been a a big part of their uh, coming out of Egypt, and now Moses is dead, and uh, so the end of Moses' leadership. It's a book of beginnings in several senses as well. It's the beginning of Uh, really the nation of Israel proper. They come into their land. They're going to settle now. They're going to begin to rule themselves and act out the uh, covenantal relationship that God has created with them and all of the ceremonial rules and civic rules that he's laid down. So there's a, a lot of beginnings in that sense. It's the beginning of new leadership. Joshua Uh, comes to power in Joshua chapter 1. And so a big question throughout the book of Joshua is, can this man live up to the kind of reputation that Moses had and the expectations of leadership that the people had of of, uh, of Moses? It's the beginning of life in the promised land, living uh, on their own here. So a lot of endings, a lot of beginnings. What I'd like to do right now is take a look at the historical background of the book of Joshua, a little bit about the historical geography, some of the major themes in the book of Joshua, and then just give a little bit of an outline of the book of Joshua uh, for us And so, looking at some of the historical background, I want to take us back to start off to Genesis chapter 15, way back during the time of the patriarch Abraham. God had called Abraham out of uh, paganism, out of uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, uh, and uh, to the land of Canaan, and he was making promises with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, we have some very uh, explicit promises that are made that have to do with the subsequent history of Israel, and just sort of give us a little walkthrough of Israel's history up to the time of Joshua. So I want to start in Genesis 15 and just read, uh, starting from verse 12. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. And God said to Abram, and and now this is a prediction, a prophecy of what's going to take place after Abram's time. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. 
What's he referring to? Well, of course, he's talking about the time when the family of Abraham, Jacob's family, Israel, would go down into Egypt and life would start off well for them down there. You remember uh, uh, Joseph was uh, second in command, only Pharaoh was above him in the land of Egypt. And so when Joseph brought his family down, Jacob, his father, and all his brothers, they were in a good position in the land of Egypt. But over time, that changed. And it got, of course, to the point where they were enslaved and oppressed. And this lasted for 400 years. And so God is telling this to Abram ahead of time. Verse 14, but I will judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. Well, that's exactly what happened during the time of the Exodus. The Lord enacted those 10 plagues on the, the people of Egypt and the leadership of Egypt. And ultimately, the final plague was the plague on the firstborn. Even the firstborn of Pharaoh uh, was killed as a result of this plague. And so the Lord was executing his judgment on the people of Egypt at that time and using it to bring Israel out. But there's also significantly some verses in Exodus chapter 12 that talk about the Israelites asking the Egyptians for their gold, their jewelry, their possessions, and they plundered the Egyptians as they left. They took a lot of their very valuable possessions with them. So verse 15 in Genesis 15, And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they shall return here. So a prediction for Abram, even though his family would go down and spend time in Egypt, they would come out of Egypt and would come back to the land of Canaan. And he says, in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Now that's talking about a very specific group of people. The Amorites were a subgroup of the Canaanites that lived in the hill country of Judah and Ephraim, as they would later be known. Uh, these Amorites, the Lord says, their iniquity is not yet complete. In other words, they were going to be allowed to uh, live, allowed to prosper for several generations uh, until the Lord's patience and long-suffering them with, with them uh, was sort of run out. And then he would bring the people of Israel back in and use them as his venue, as his tool for executing his judgment on this people group. So in verse 17, it came about when the sun had set, that there was very, it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land. This is very, very significant for the book of Joshua. To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt, the Nile River, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. That is a massive territory of land that Israel, during the time of the conquest, didn't occupy the full extent of that land. And even up to our day today, uh, Israel has never really possessed all of that territory. So God predicted the giving of all of that territory to Israel. And I think we have to say, to some degree, that that uh, prediction has yet to be fulfilled uh, in the future. 
And then he goes on to name the people who are living in this land. It is the land of, verse 19, the Kenite and the Kenizzite and the Cadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Rephaim and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Girgashite and the Jebusite. All of these subcategories of people who are living in the land of Canaan the Lord is going to use Israel to bring them in and drive them out. So what God had promised to Abraham way back here in Genesis 15, he is going to now make good on. And all of these promises are going to be uh, fulfilled to some degree at least in the coming of Israel into the land of Canaan and the conquest here in the book of Joshua. Now I want to talk a little bit about the geography uh, of what's going on from the time when Israel came up out of Egypt, how we get Israel from Egypt to Canaan. In other words, and we're going to do this very briefly. Israel had come up out of Egypt, and after their crossing of the Red Sea, and there are a lot of different ideas about where that location was, but for our intents and purposes, we will put it on the uh, western side of the Sinai Peninsula, somewhere there. And for about two years, they're wandering in the Sinai Desert, and, and I shouldn't say wandering at this point. The Lord is intentionally leading them. Uh, if you read the text, he is leading them in a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And so the visible presence of the Lord goes before the people of Israel and they follow after uh, the Lord as their guide through the land. So for about the first year and a half, two years, they're traveling through the desert until they're led by God to a location in the southern part of the land of Israel, the southern Negev, called Kedesh Barnea. And at Kedesh Barnea, we come to Numbers chapters 13 and 14, where Moses sends spies out into the land. He sends 12 spies. And you might remember the song, 10 were bad and two were good here. So the spies go all throughout the land of Canaan. They come back. The majority of the spies say, yeah, it's a great place. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But there's giants living in the land. And the cities in the land have these massive walls. There is no way we can go in here and conquer this land. But two of the spies, Joshua who is the significant character in the book that we're about to study, and Caleb, uh, the other significant spy, tell the people of Israel, no, we can do this with the Lord going forth for us, battling for us. We should rely on the Lord. He will win the day for us. Unfortunately, the 10 spies had influence over the people of Israel, perhaps some 2 million people in this camp at this time. And they influenced the nation that they should turn around and go back to Egypt and beg Pharaoh for forgiveness and go back into his servitude. Well, of course, God uh, sees this as unbelief. And so he curses the nation that everyone over the age of 20 would now die in the wilderness and not be permitted to enter into the promised land. And so they spend the next 38 years wandering in the desert before they finally come back to uh, approach 
uh, their entrance into the land. At the end of those 38 years, not going to talk about the locations that they went to during those years, but at the end of those 38 years, they're back in the southern area of Israel, the Negev, and they actually battle at a southern city called Arad, uh, which uh, is uh, in the south while they're stationed at Mount Hor in the Negev. They are successful there. Initially, uh, not successful, but the Lord allows them to win the battle of Arad. And instead of approaching from the south, uh, the, Moses then leads them around, down around Edom to the east and into the Transjordan, the area to the east of the Jordan Rift Valley. There they have two significant wars, uh, a war with Sihon and a war with Og. And these two Canaanite kings are defeated with Moses in charge of the armies. All of this takes place in the book of Numbers before they ever set foot in the promised land. This is significant because as we start to look at the book of Joshua, people have already heard about the wars that Israel has had with some of these other people groups and at some of these other cities. So finally, by the end of Numbers, the end of Deuteronomy, they are temporarily settling in the plain of Moab to the east of the Jordan River, just above the Dead Sea, north of the Dead Sea, at an area that the Bible calls Shittim. Two and a half of the tribes, of the 12 tribes, decide that they are going to settle on the east side of the Jordan River. So they are content with the area they've already conquered. This would be the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. But they make a deal with Moses. Moses says, if you're going to settle here, when it's time for us to go in and conquer the land, you have to send all of your fighting men to help Joshua and help uh, the people of Israel. And so they agree to do this and uh, settle on the east side of the Jordan River. Now, quickly, I want to look at just a couple of themes as we close this session in the book of Joshua. The first theme, of course, is the theme of conquest. The Israelites are going to conquer the land of Canaan from the Canaanites. Second theme would be uh, God is a warrior. Not only is Israel fighting, but God himself goes out to fight against uh, the people of Canaan. We will see as we continue on that uh, God is judging these people through the use of Israel, his nation. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.